Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. So today we're going to start in James 4. And this is going to be one of those messages where it's just, it's not a part of a series. It's just, I feel like sharing this because... We ended our series on working for the weekend, and now we're kind of transitioning. And for the next several weeks, I'm just going to do like I did in the summer uh, right now. I'm just going to preach whatever God shares with me to preach on, and then we'll probably uh, have a series in November and probably in December. But right now, I just feel like I want to share with you guys whatever God's sharing with me. Sound good? Good plan, I think. So... As we go into this next week of meetings, um, I want to share this because I think it will help you. With your personal relationship with God, also how you relate to your church and how much you receive in life groups, but especially when uh, you get involved into a special meeting or a conference, and how do you really get the most out of your relationship with God and when you come to church and when you come to special meetings, because how many know it's important that when we come to church or when we have a relationship with God, we want to get the most out of it? Or I don't know. I'm just guessing that you want to get the most out of it or you don't want to just come to church to come to church, do you? I don't. You don't want to just read your Bible to read your Bible or just pray to pray. All of you in here want to Get all you can out of your relationship with God, and you should want that and desire that. But what I've seen is a lot of people struggle in receiving from God right. in their personal life. But then if you're not doing that in your personal life, then you'll struggle when you come to church receiving from God in a service. Yes. And then if you struggle there, you'll struggle in receiving in a life group setting or in a special meeting. Yes. So today I want to talk about how to receive and move with God. How to receive and move with God. So let's talk out of James 4 in verse 8 in the New Living Translation. James 4 in verse 8 in the New Living if we have it. Or the Passion. Thank you. Move your heart closer and closer to God and He will come even closer to you. But make sure you cleanse your life, you sinners, and keep your heart pure and stop doubting. But listen to the first part of this verse, James 4 and verse 8. Move your heart closer and closer to God. Now, notice who he starts with, you. Not God, because God's always trying to initiate stuff, but he's waiting on you. Move your heart closer and closer to God, and he will come even closer to you. Other translations say, draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Come close to God. And he will come close to you. So today I want to talk about how to to move with God and how to receive from God. So thinking about this and what we're called to be as a church family, not only do I want to help you today personally uh, with what I shared about just a minute ago on how to help you receive from God personally and as a church, but I feel like our church needs to to learn what I'm going to share today to help us go to where we need to go as a church family. Because we have a big vision ahead of us 
that's been prophesied over this church by many men and women of God that we're called to be a region-changing church. But to get there, we're going to have to make the changes necessary as a church, not just me, all of us together, to get to where we're going. And I really feel like this message today, if we all apply this to our life, and this is the way we come to church, this is the way we live, we will be that type of church that God can move in and people can receive from God. How many know a region-changing church is a church that's moving with God and the people in that church are able to receive from God? And if we don't know how to do that, we're not going to be the church we're called to be. We're not going to be able to reach the people we're called to reach. We're not going to do the things that God has for us if all of us collectively aren't understanding how do I really move with God in my personal life, but then it will spill over into my public life with God at church and life groups, and it will help us to be the church we're called to be. How do I receive and move with God? So I want to share about that today because we need to move as a church to be a church that is sensitive to the Spirit of God. And God's presence is active in our personal lives, but also in our church. So to be a region-changing church, and trust me, I'm not going to stay on that the whole time. It's not Vision Sunday, but I just want to share a little bit about what I'm going to say today. To be a region change in church, which that's what we're called to be, is going to take two major things. We're going to have to be excellent as a church, and we're going to have to be anointed as a church. And it can't be one without the other. And so today, I'm not going to talk about the vision side. Man, I could sit here and talk to you all day about all the exciting things I got up in this brain right now about what we're going to do in the future. I got vision for days. I got ideas and plans and dreams. I'm already in 2025 right now with all the things that God has for us. But that's not my assignment today. But to be a region-changing church and to fulfill those things, we're going to have to be excellent and anointed. Now follow me for a second. I'm just laying the groundwork for where we're going. To be excellent, that means we have to be good at everything we do as a church on the practical, natural side of things. Because how many know people are attracted to excellence? Like we can't have new people come in here and it look like raccoon holler. You know what I'm saying? Can't be dysfunctional. The music should be excellent. Come on now, somebody. The worship should be excellent. The the visuals on the screen should be excellent. The 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 uh, the way the kids' classrooms are, they should look excellent. The teachers should be excellent. The assistants should be excellent. Our website should be excellent. Our social media should be excellent. The way the ushers and security team are should be excellent. The way the pastor preaches should be excellent. The way the building looks should be excellent. The way the landscape looks should be excellent. The way the bathroom, how clean it is. Hello? You need to not be in fear and trembling when you trust the bathroom with your blessed assurance. You need to be able to, in free confidence, know that this bathroom is clean. I don't even need to use my faith right now. There's some churches, it's questionable. It's questionable. Trust me, I'm really going to get somewhere. This is not even my message today. 
But to be a region changing church is going to take excellence and anointing. So for the past eight years, we have tried to do everything we can to make this church better and excellent. And we're going to continue to do that. We've changed a lot of things around here. We have, we have changed the way the carpet looks. We have painted all the kids' classrooms. We've painted this room. We've changed the visuals. We've changed the worship team. We've changed the sound system. We changed the cameras. We changed the soundboard. We changed the kids' curriculum we teach in the back. We've changed the way the building looks on the outside. We painted it black. Why? Because we're a black church. Are you with me? You know why? Once again, I will say because I've always wanted to be considered the black church in the community, and now I am. Y'all know the black church down the road? Yeah, church on the rock. Yeah, that's the black church. It is in more ways than one. White people don't get offended. Smile. I like you too, kind of. We have changed all those things. Why are we changing? Are we just changing it just to goof off? Or Pastor Jordan's bored, so he's trying to figure out something else to do. No, I'm changing it because we want to be an excellent church. And I realize the lost see excellence, and that's attractive to them. And if it's for God, it should be the best. Man, this is not even my message, but I'm about to preach on this part. If it's for God, it should be the best. How many know the banks should not look better than the church looks? The law firm should not be more excellent than the church. The yumption should not be more excellent than the church. If it's for God, it should be the best. It should look the best. The people there should be the most excellent. The world should be looking at the church for what's the best and not vice versa. The sad part is most churches are looked at as second class, pathetic, and just trying to keep up with the world. And that's why they're not effective. Because we're just trying to catch up with them because they're so much further ahead. It should not be that way. The church should be the best if it's for God. The worship should be the best. The sound should be the best. The kids' classroom should be the best. The facility should be the best. The way we handle our money should be the best. The way we handle our social media and our website and technology should be the best. If it's for God, it should be the best. It should be. We should be leading the way, not trying to catch up with the world and other businesses and organizations because they get it. They get excellence because they get excellence is what makes their company grow and attracts people to them because they're excellent. This is not even my message, but I just had to share this. This is me verbally processing with you this morning. We got to be excellent. And we made a lot of changes in the past eight years, haven't we? And it's like, oh, yeah, we have. <laughs> Will you stop, Pastor? <laughs> We're going to keep changing. Why? Because people are worth it. Your preferences are not worth it from holding us back from the call of God. I'll change anything in this place. What did I just say? We would have a beer and wings night. For the sake of reaching people, not really beer. Once again, root beer. We would do everything short of sin to reach people for God. Why? Because people matter. We'll change everything. Everything's on the table. In the natural, practical side of things. Why? Because to be a region-changing church, it takes excellence. 
I'm going to take a little step further because I feel like you want me to talk real today. It's probably because Amber Brown's on the phone. She's like, bring it. Bring it. You know, sometimes churches like ours and our camp and our company hate on bigger churches. But you know why they're big and we're not? It's because they're more excellent. No, y'all want to say amen or no? Oh, me. No, they are. That's why they're doing things at a larger scale. It's because they're more excellent than smaller churches. They, they have a different mentality. They, they understand excellence, and they've grown to a, a certain place. Why? Because they're excellent. Excellence got them there. And then, then churches like us, sometimes we don't have that type of excellence. And then we're like, man, why did they get so big, or why did they grow, or why are they reaching so many people? Because they're, they're excellent. And excellence attracts People, especially people that don't know God. Okay, I'm getting to a point. Because I'm not going to talk about excellence today. So, to be a region-changing church, we're going to have to be excellent and anointed. So we've made those changes in the past eight years, and we're going to continue to make those changes. Are you with me? And we've seen the fruit in those changes in our church. We've seen the results. But the other side of that, to be a region-changing church, is we need the anointing of God. And you can't have one without the other to be the church that we're called to be. you got to be excellent, and you got to be anointed. You know why? Because you could be excellent all day, and if you don't have the anointing of God in the church, in the house of God, if you don't have that, then you're just another nonprofit organization. If you don't have the anointing of God, then you're just coming to hear a pastor give a TED Talk, and you're coming to a Coldplay concert, but there's no anointing in the house of God. We have to be excellent, and we have to be anointed, and we can't be one without the other, and I'm all for excellence, and I just told you about the changes we have made and the changes we will continue to make because if it's for God, it should be the best. If it's for you, it should be the best. If we're going to reach the world, it should be the best. It should be top tier. It should be excellent. It should be if it's for God. We should be leading the way, not behind. But we can't just have that and no anointing. Or people will just come to service and hear a few few. Uh, uh, steps on how to change their life and, and and just go through a little concert and just stare at the worship leaders and like that was nice I brought my kids you know now we're going to go home and keep living the same way we're living we have to be excellent but we have to be anointed and I want to talk about being anointed today and how to receive and move with God because if we don't we will just be another hollow spiritual organization who has some, some excellence on the outside, but is empty spiritually. And I don't want our church to ever become that. We need both. We need to be excellent and we need to be anointed. But today I want to emphasize the anointing as we go into these meetings. We need the anointing. What's the anointing? It's the presence and the power of God. And if we don't have the presence and power of God in our services, come on now somebody, and in our life groups and in the classrooms back there, there will be no life change that happens. 
But when the presence and power of God is there, life change happens. Deliverance happens. Healing of bodies and minds happen. Restorations of families and marriages happen when the anointing of God is present. But we can't have the anointing of God in the service unless all of us know how to receive and move with God. It won't be in this place. And it has to be more than just the pastor or a few excited people. It has to be all of us together because I want a church that's excellent, but I want a church that's anointed that when, when drug addicts come in the back, that they don't just get a good TED talk, but they get the anointing that breaks chains off of them. That, that I don't just want to be a good preacher, but I want to be a preacher that when the presence of God is here, physical bodies are healed and, and mental health is restored and families are, are being mended and things are taking place and life changes is happening, but it does not happen without the anointing of God. And believe me, the anointing is not automatic. You're thinking, well, every church has the anointing pastor. No, they don't. Try some. I dare you. Go. There's plenty in this community that do, but there's a lot that don't. They're dead. They've been dead for years. And they will die happy and religious. They're dead. And I don't rejoice about that. That's sad. It grieves me and it grieves the heart of God because it doesn't have to be that way. It's not automatic that the anointing's there just because Christians are there. No, people have to know how to receive from God and move with God. And not just the pastor, for the anointing to be in that place. For God's tangible presence and power to be there. We all play a part in that. You know, I do, I do want people to say about our church when they come in, I want them to say, I mean, the people at Church on the Rock were so nice and so friendly. I want them to say that, man, the teams at church were so excellent. I want them to say, man, that building was so clean. I want them to say, man, that church, the way they ran things was just, it was so refreshing. It was excellent. Man, the worship was great. The pastor was great. Every, every part about it, my kids had a great time. The, the teachers were great. The facilities were great. I want that. But that's not all I want. You know what I want? I want people to come in and say, man, the Lord was in that place. Not like, eh. It was good. It was good. I got a few Holy Ghost goosebumps by accident. You know, I did my thing. You know, I, I, it's Southern Indiana. It's the Bible Belt. People go to church. That's what we do. That's what people do. It's cultural where we live. It's like, where you go to church? Well, I go to church here. Do you really? I kind of here and there. Put it in your bio. That's where I go. Easter, Christmas. See all my pictures with my family? It's got to be more than that. That's not changing anybody's life. That's religion. It's religion. No, I want people to say when, when they come to church, man, the Lord was in that place. God spoke to me today through that pastor. God ministered to me during the worship. Man, when hands were laid on me, I felt the power of God. 
man, I got healing in my body. I got deliverance from my mind. Life change happened in that place. Chains were broken. Things were changed for my family and my marriage in that place. But it doesn't take place with just excellence. It has to be the anointing of God. The anointing's a game changer. It's a difference maker. Trust me, I've heard anointed music and unanointed music. There's a big difference. I've heard anointed preaching and unanointed preaching, and it's a big difference. The power of God is a difference maker. And we need that in our personal lives, but we need that in our church. I feel like I'm way more excited than you are so far. Am I reading that wrong? Maybe you're just listening. We need the anointing. It's a presence in the power of God that we cannot do on our own strength. And when God shows up, trust me, everybody knows. Things change. Even the people that don't even know God and are not spiritually sensitive are like, man, I felt something today. Man, I got something today. And I don't even know what it is, but I got something today. Why? Because the anointing is what changes the anointing is what the, the, the breaks yokes and burdens off people. The anointing is what brings God's presence and power into that place. The anointing of God. But for the anointing to be present in this place and in our personal lives, God's presence and power, we have to know how to receive from God and move with Him. You with me? That was 30 minutes and that was my entire intro. Wow! You guys started this. You pulled it out of me. Okay, let's move a little quicker. I've been in church 36 years and nine months. I've told you before, I'm not de-churched, I'm over-churched. I've been to probably too many church services. I'm saying that for a reason because... I know church, and I know church people. That's what I know. Some people know cars. Some people know painting. Some people know nursing. Some people know physics. I know church. That's what I know. That's what I do my whole life. But there's something I've seen my whole entire life. And I've seen it at special meetings. I've seen it. On Sunday morning, I've seen it in life groups. I've seen it in any area of the church. I've seen this happen, and I don't want it to happen to you. That's what we're talking about, moving and receiving from God. There'll be two people, same service. Same exact service. Two different experiences. One person is responding in worship and afterwards they're like man the worship blessed me man i felt the power of god man the worship really changed me today and that same person say man man the message really spoke to me and usually those same people are the ones taking notes and are are leaning in and they're they're writing down what's happening and they're they're saying man i got so much out of the message today and then there's a, there's a prayer line, and they come up, and they get prayed for, and, man, they get healed. Or they get delivered, and they're like, man, the power of God. And they leave, and they're like, what a great day at church in God's house. Also, same service. 
Different person. I've seen this my whole entire life. Two people, same service. The other person during worship. After service, you ask him about worship. Yeah. I didn't feel much. They didn't really play the songs I like. Didn't really get much out of it. How's the message? I don't know. Sometimes I agree with pastor, sometimes I don't. He's only 36, right? What does he really know? <laughs> that same person leaned back in their seat, dozing off here and there, which I don't know how. I'm yelling into this mic. But there's people that close their eyes in this church. It's shocking. I'm literally yelling in your ear. That's impressive. You're a professional sleeper. Same person. Yeah, I didn't get much out of it. I, I come to church a lot. I've heard that kind of stuff before. Ministry line. They literally call out the thing that the person's dealing with and they just stay in their seat. Man, I don't know, I don't know if I really want to go up there. I've been up in prayer lines before. Now, why am I saying this? Because I've seen this my whole life. And today, what I want to talk about, how to receive and move with God. And I feel like that's what you all want to do. Why? Because we want the anointing on our lives. God's power and presence. So how can two people be in the same exact service and get two completely different results? It's not the worship team. It's not the pastor. It's not anything else but that person's attitude in their heart. And one person over here is ready to receive and move with God, and the other person is not. We see in the parable of the sower in Mark 4 that Jesus talked about there's four different types of soil, which is symbolic for four different types of people's heart. Because the seed was thrown on all four types of soil, but it only produced in one certain type of soil. Same seed, different soils, got different results. It's the same way with us. When we come into church, our heart is the soil. But if we're not ready to receive and move with God, that seed will fall on ground that won't produce anything. That seed will fall on ground and then the weeds will grow up and choke it. That seed will fall on ground and we won't get anything out of the message and we'll say, well, maybe it's my church. Maybe I need to go somewhere different. Maybe it's the worship team. No, it's your heart. Because it's the same seed being thrown on everybody's soil, their heart, but you got to be ready to receive and move with God for it to produce anything in you. It's the same seed for everybody, but some people's heart is in the right place and some people's heart isn't. Their attitude's in a different place. They're not ready to receive and move with God. And guess what? If you're not ready and don't want it, God won't push himself on you. He won't. He won't. So we have to get our heart in the right place. Why? To receive and move with God. In your personal life, yes, that's what I want for you. But also that it would spill out into our church services, into our life groups, into our special meetings. And we could be that type of region-changing church we're called to be. But we have to learn as a group to receive and move with God. Once again... 
How do you do that? You got to start getting your heart and your attitude in the right place that when the seed of God's word and God's spirit falls on it, it produces something in it. And I'm not trying to be confrontational today. I'll leave that for dad the rest of the week. But we have to be honest with ourselves. If God's word and God's spirit isn't producing like it should in our lives and in our hearts, it's our heart. It's not his fault. It's not our church's fault. It's our heart and our attitude aren't in the right place for the seed to grow up and produce something. So the rest of this message... I want to talk about how to receive and move with God. Or we can say how to get your heart in the right place. For God to move in your personal life, but also in church. And in life groups and in this special meeting we even have coming up. It's good. You got to prepare yourself for what God has for you. You got to prepare your heart to be in the right place to receive. So let's move. We got to move. 37 minutes so far. We got to move. How to receive and move with God. The first thing is we have to be in a place of humility. If we're going to receive from God and move with God in our personal life and when we, we come to church, we gather and we receive publicly as well as privately, we have to be in a posture of humility. Let's read a few verses, James 4 and verse 6. But he gives more grace. What's grace? Grace is God's ability, God's favor, God's power on your life. He gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Let's read 1 Peter 5 and verse 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Verse 6. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. If we're going to receive from God and move with God, we have to be humble. We have to walk in humility before God. In our personal time with God, we have to come into that place humble. You're not going to get much from God if you come in acting like you know everything. Guess what? You don't. But it says God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You humble yourself before God, man, he'll give you that ability, that power, that strength. He will pour grace after grace after grace on your life if you come into his presence with a humble heart. But how do we come to church? Do we come to church in humility or do we come to church in pride? Do you realize pride is the original sin? Not to be too strong today, but pride is a sin that got Satan kicked out of heaven. Pride is the thing that Samson and Saul and Judas and many others in the Bible that were once anointed lost the anointing. Why? Because they got into being proud instead of humble. 
Pride says this when, when you spend time with God or even when you come to church. God, I got this. I've already heard this. I know this. I can do this. With that kind of attitude towards God, it says he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He will respect your will. And if you say, God, I got this, he'll say, okay, you got this. It doesn't work out good for any of us. You kind of like when your kids do that. You all know what I'm saying, especially when they're younger. And they're just like, I got this, mom and dad. And you know, they don't got this. Like when they're learning to ride their bike and you're trying to hold the steering wheel. And I remember this happened to Natalie. And she was like, Dad, I got this. And I'm like, no, you don't got this. And I let her go to prove to her that she didn't get it. And she crashed her bike and got scraped up. And then she's upset at her dad. And I was like, I told you, you did not have this. But how many of us do that to God all the time? God, I got this. Get your hands off the steering wheel. I know this. I've experienced this. I've been in God a long time. I know this. Listen, God ain't going to help you with anything. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And let me encourage you, church family. I don't care if you've been in God 10 years, 30 years, 50 years, 80 years. You still need God. And you don't got it figured out. And you don't know this. And you haven't heard everything. And you haven't experienced everything. When you come into your personal time with God, you should be humble. And he gives grace to the humble. When you come into church, how do you walk in here? Do you walk in here like, I've heard it before. I'm just another week. I know this. No, you don't know this. It says God resists the proud. No wonder you don't get much in service because God resists the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. When you come into worship and you worship God like that's the first time you ever worship, guess what? He's going to pour grace on you. Or you could be stubborn and stiff-necked and prideful and like, oh, okay. It's just worship. Some of these younger people are excited, but that's not me. It's called you got a bad attitude, bro. Don't make it a young person's game. You can do whatever you want to do. If you want to receive from God, I don't care if you're 85, 95, or 105. You can still have a humble heart and worship God. And guess what? He will pour grace upon grace upon grace on you when you humble yourself before God. When you spend time with God every day, how do you come into that? Do you come into it prideful or humble? God, I need you. I need your help. I don't know everything. God, help me to learn. God, help me to change. God, I'm open to it. That's humility. And it says God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. The attitude of humility is a magnet for God's grace and ability on your life. You want God's grace on your life? Be a humble person before God, both privately and publicly, and God will pour his grace upon you. You guys get something today. I feel like you're with me today. Second thing is desire. Desire. If we want to receive from God and move with Him and have His anointing on our life, we got to be humble, show humility, but we have to have desire. God moves where He is wanted, God moves where He is desired. 
We need to understand that because so many of us, especially if you've been in church or religion a long time, and let me just say it how it is because I've been in church a long time, you can get into a rut and a routine that becomes lifeless and boring and mundane and religious, and you're going through the motions, but you don't really desire God. And because that lack of desire, God's not moving in your life. And you're not receiving from Him. Just because you're going through the motions does not mean God has to sign off on that. God moves where He's desired. You know this in a relationship. If you are desired by the other person, you show up and you want to be a part of their life. If you're not desired, you don't take the time to come and be a part of that person's life. Why? Because desire moves people. Desire moves the hand of God. Desire moves God into your life. God is looking for us to desire him. A lot of times familiarity has killed relationships. Familiarity kills relationships in marriage, with children, but it also can kill a relationship with God. I've seen it my whole life. So many people do this. Well, this is what I do. I just come to church. Well, listen, bud. You're not going to get much out of it with that attitude. And those same people are the same every week. Not getting much out of it. Going through the routine. Going through the motions. Not ever taking accountability for their own heart and their own life. And they're wondering, I've been coming to church 30 years. Why am I not getting much out of it? Because you lost your desire years ago. And God moves where there's desire. In your personal life. Well, well, pastor, I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying. I'm doing it. But where's your desire? God's not obligated to show up just because you're going through the motions. God moves where he's wanted and he's desired. Let's read a few verses. Matthew 5 and 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Notice, notice who's the people that get filled, those who are hungry and thirsty. What is that? That's desire. Let's look at Isaiah 44. For I will pour water on him who's thirsty. What is that? that, that that's desire. So many people, when you come to church, if you're not desiring it after God, and then you're just like, man, everybody else seems like they're getting it in this service, man. Like, man, God's presence is moving here and moving here, but it's not on me. God pours water on them that are thirsty. Not satisfied. God pours water on them that are thirsty and that are hungry, that desire Him. For I will pour water on him who is thirsty, and I will pour floods on the dry ground. Dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. God moves when we desire him. Brother Kennedy Hagen, general in the faith, said this. When asked about the move of God, I believe he was at Pastor Nancy's church they said, well, Dr. Hagen, we've been praying for the move of God. We've been praying for your service. And he goes, well, that's good, but 
the move of God and the gifts of the Spirit and the anointing of God doesn't just come by prayer. It comes by desire and hunger. That is echoed in 1 Corinthians 14.1 where it says to desire and hunger after spiritual gifts. Why? Because when we do, it brings God's presence into our lives. It brings God's presence into a service when we all come together and we say, God, we desire you. We want you today. This is not just another service. We hunger and thirst after you. And what's the blessing of Scripture? It says those who hunger and thirst after him will be filled. He will pour water on you. He will flood the dry ground when we desire God. You okay with a few more and then we'll close. How do we move and receive from God? We got to come with a heart that's humble. We got to desire God. Now, once again, I'm talking about in your personal time with God. This is how you receive from God and move with him. And maybe we're not doing some of these things. That's why we're not seeing God speak to us or. We're not getting as much out of our time with him personally because we're, our heart's not in the right place. But also that we would go beyond that and we would bring the same attitude towards church and towards life groups and towards any time we gather together in God's presence with God's family. We have to have this to be the church that God has called us to be. Humility, desire, and the third thing is expectation. If we're going to receive and move with God personally and publicly as a church, we have to have expectation. Do you realize that faith is confident expectation? If you really have faith, Bible faith, that means that you really believe that something's going to happen. Right? And if you believe something's actually going to happen, you're going to have expectation. Now, you realize the opposite is true. When you don't really expect anything to happen, means you're not really in faith. And my Bible says that God responds to faith. He doesn't respond to just us showing up at church or us just showing up in our quiet time with him. God responds to faith and faith is confident expectation that God's going to move, that God's going to show up, that God's going to answer our prayers. And God will move in an atmosphere like that, not believing that God can do it, but believing God will do it. It's a big difference. So many Christians are saying, well, I believe God can. I believe God can. I believe God can. There's no expectation attached to that. No, faith is believing that God will do it, and I'm expecting him to show up. That's faith. But how many of us come together in our personal time with God with that type of expectation? 
How many of us come to every service with that type of expectation? I tell you, if we all did, the atmosphere in here would be so charged with the power of God, you would be shocked at what God would do in this place. I know I'm excited this morning, but you got to hear your pastor today. we got to have some expectation. And it's not enough that I'm expecting God to move. All of us in here have to have that same faith that God's going to move today. And not just in a special meeting or not just a special service on Sunday, but every time we gather together, God wants to move. He wants to move. Well, well, Pastor, why isn't he? Because nobody's expecting him to. Because faith, real faith, is expectation. We should all come together corporately anytime we meet together and we come into this place and there's so much expectancy that God moves and we're saying, God, man, I know you're going to heal people today. God, I know you're going to deliver people today. God, I know you're going to speak to me today. God, I know that prodigals are going to come home today. God, I know that you're going to have answers for me today. God, I know you're going to move in that place, and I'm not wishing and hoping. And God, I believe you might be able to do it. No, God, I know it's your will, and I'm expecting it every time I come to church. I'm expecting it. I'm expecting it. But are you expecting it? I won't judge you based off the way your face looks right now. Because your face says, "Mm mm-mm. Pastor, you are, but I ain't. Because you are too excited today. But you know what a byproduct of expectation is? Excitement. Don't make me run around this church by myself. You You know a byproduct of expectation is excitement. You know how I know that? Because I got kids. And what do you do? If you tell them we're going to Disney tomorrow, guess what? The next 24 hours, they go be running around their house. Oh, my gosh, we're going to Disney tomorrow. We're going to Disney tomorrow. They have no proof that we're going to Disney tomorrow, but they got faith, so they got expectation, so they got excitement. If they know Christmas is tomorrow or their birthday's tomorrow, they have great expectation, so they got great excitement. So listen, as your pastor, I'm never going to apologize for being excited in here. Because I have great expectation that God is going to move. That's why I preach this way. That's why I talk this way. Because God is going to move. And every time we gather together, it's not just another service. It's a time where God's going to move. Now, I believe that. But this church will only work if all of you believe that. Now, no, don't, don't get out of this. I'm saying all of you. From the front to the back to the back to the back to the back. All of you over here, all of them back in the kids' classrooms, know it only works in a church when all of us together have that same kind of faith and expectation. And what's a byproduct of expectation? Excitement. If I really believe it's going to happen, I'm excited. I am. Don't ever apologize for being excited about God. You got some faith about you. You got some expectation about you. And trust me, other religious people will try to calm you down. Don't get your hopes up. Try to believe God one, 
One time two, Pastor. You're just 36. You'll learn. Listen, just because you want to die spiritually and you want to give up believing God, don't push that out on other people. Expectation. I love this quote. Faith and expectation is the breeding ground for miracles. God will meet you. Hear me, church. Think about this every time you... You come to church or every time you, you get with God privately, God will meet you at your level of expectation. God will meet you at your level of expectation. Why? Because that's your faith. That's your faith. It's what you really believe. So in your personal life, if, if tomorrow morning you get in your Bible and you're just like, all right. Let's see what we got here. We'll read one more chapter today. I'm sorry, but you're probably not going to get a lot out of it. Why? Because God will meet you at your level of expectation. You're not even expecting to hear anything. You're not expecting God to speak to you. You're not expecting to get anything out of your Bible. And guess what? That's what will happen. Some of you, when you go to pray, you're going through the motions. Like, I didn't get much out of it. Or did you expect anything to happen? Did you expect God to listen to you? Did you expect God to speak to you? I've been coming to church here and I don't really get a lot out of it. Well, do you expect anything to happen? Do you expect to receive in worship? Do you expect God to answer you through your pastor when he's preaching to you? Do you expect something to happen when hands are laid on you and people pray? God will meet you at your level of expectation. I love that song we've been singing recently. It says, with all the faith in the room, look what the Lord can do. That's expectation. And you can sense expectation. It's tangible. You know, one of the best examples I could give to you is summer camp every year. Now, if you've never been to summer camp, you might not fully understand what I'm saying. But every year, you can feel it. You can feel the tangible expectation in the atmosphere from night one through the whole week. And you know what happens? God shows up at camp differently than he does sometimes here on a Sunday morning. But why? Does God care more about kids at camp than me? No. They had expectation, and God met them at their level of expectation. And then sometimes on Sunday, 25% of us come in expecting, and 75% of us are stuck. I know I'm challenging you, but, but why does God show up in certain settings and doesn't show up as much in others? Expectation. There's faith in the room. There's an amen in the room. There's agreement in the room. There's some excitement in the room. God will meet you at the level of expectation. As your pastor, I want to say, we don't got to wait for another camp. 
We don't got to wait for another special meetings. We can have that as a church family every time we get together. And imagine what God could do if all of us came in like that. The healings that would take place, the miracles that would take place, the life change that would happen if all of us came with that kind of expectation. I got to close because I'm sweating through my suit this morning. <laughs> you guys get something today? I got one last thing. Brother Darrell, you could come play so I can land the plane. If we're going to receive from God, we have to have humility, desire, expectation, and response. Dr. Ed Dufresne, spiritual grandfather of this house, said, people don't get more in service because they don't respond to God in service. People don't get more from God because they don't respond to him. If you want to move with God and receive from him, you have to respond to him. Many of us in here put the brakes on God because we don't respond to him. So he's not going to move the way he wants to move in our life because we're not responding to him. I was thinking about this. This is like, you know the driver's ed car? There's the kid driving, and there's a guy in the seat next to him. But that dude has a brake as well, right? For everyone's safety. And I, I felt this strongly because I know a lot of you love God, but you're not receiving and getting more from him, and you're not moving with him because you're not responding to God. You don't respond to God in your private life, but then that spills over into your church life. And you're putting the brakes on God. And a lot of us are like, well, God, you're driving, but you're in the passenger seat like the driver's ed guy. Slam the brakes. And you can limit God. You can put the brakes on God. And he won't push past that. Why? Because he's a gentleman and he gives you a will. And a lot of us are like, God, I don't know. Keep slamming that driver's ed brake on him. When God's trying to take us somewhere he wants us to receive he wants us to move with him but he can't move the way he wants if we won't respond to God we must be responsive to God in our personal life and in this church community for God to move James 4 8 says draw near to God and he will draw near to you it says come close to God and he will come close to you we have to move with him and everyone in the Bible you read that God did something great in their life, it's because God spoke to them, He moved on them, but then they had a choice to respond back to Him. But if they never responded back to God, they wouldn't be in the Bible. Their story wouldn't be written there. Because God needs corresponding action and a response from us. There's always a purpose behind it because he wants to bring us into new blessings and breakthrough by that response. Let me give you a few examples just in your personal life. Let's just say God tells you, I want you to read this certain passage. And you'd be like, God, I don't know why. If you respond to him, 
there's a breakthrough and blessing that will come with that obedience. But he can't move unless you respond with him. Maybe God will say, hey, tonight I want you to take 30 minutes and just pray in the Holy Spirit. And you're like, God, I don't know why. If you respond to him, trust me, there's a breakthrough and blessings on the other side of it. Okay, okay, but, but let's take it to the church setting. God, I want to receive more in worship. And God says, well, why don't you lift your hands? You're thinking, well, well pastor, how's that going to do anything? If God says to respond, respond. Because when you respond, there's a blessing and there's a breakthrough. And there's, there's something attached to that obedience. Well, I want to receive more in worship. Well, God says, why don't you close your eyes? Why don't you focus in? Or, or when the worship's really going, God says, I want you to take a lap. Oh, my gosh. What am I going to look like? You go look like somebody who's trying to lose some weight. I don't know. You go. <laughs> You're going to look like someone who's excited and expecting God to move. What if God tells you to jump up and down? I don't jump up and down for nobody. There's always breakthroughs and blessings attached to our response. What if, what if a pastor or a leader calls out what you have this next week in these meetings and you know it's you? God says respond to that. There's a reason for that because if you respond to it, there's a blessing and breakthrough that comes with that response. God can only move as much as you will respond to him. And we have to be a responsive church. We have to be a responsive group of believers to move with God and to receive from him. And I realize some of that, some of you, that's hard for you because you grew up in families and communities that weren't responsive. But we have to respond to God for God to respond to us. There's a passage in 2 Kings 5 about Elisha and this captain of the army, and he had leprosy. And they came to Elisha the prophet and said, what should I do to be cleansed? And he said, I want you to go dip in the Jordan River, great river name, by the way, seven times and you will be clean course we know that captain of the army went and did that seven times and he was clean but there's story after story after story like that in the bible where god would tell them to do something that made no sense but what was he looking for a response because their response was their obedience to god saying i'll do this and it was attached to a breakthrough and a blessing we have to be open to respond, we have to be quick to respond in our private life, but also in our church community. I'm gonna tell you one more story and we'll close. This is from my own personal life. Many, many years ago, there was a time that um, I was struggling with anxiety and panic attacks. I was having a really hard time. It was after um, a mission trip and it went on for months and months and months and months. And I used to lead worship. Many of y'all don't know that in my former life. 
I was a worship leader. And the panic attacks and anxiety got so bad, I didn't even want to get up on the stage. I didn't want to sing. didn't want to play guitar. I felt like I was just going to pass out. So it went on for months after months after months after months. And the, the more it happened, the more I got inward and fearful and feeling like this is never going to change. Trust me, there's a good end to this story. You guys are like, it's going to be good. Talking about response. That's why I'm mentioning this. I'm talking about response. Talking about response. You got to respond to God in your personal life. Why? Because there's blessings and breakthroughs attached to it. In service, if God tells you to do something, do it. There's blessing and breakthroughs. And sometimes our lack of response is holding us back from what God wants to do. Who's like, I don't know what I'm going to look like. I don't want to act too excited at church. I don't want to do that. I'll look like a fool. God told you to do it. There's a blessing and a breakthrough in it for you. Anyways, Pastor Cody, Pastor Chris Cody was preaching that morning. And it was one of those times he was really preaching and y'all were acting cold. Y'all were just leaving him out to dry. Y'all can laugh. You got to look at yourself serious. No, y'all being cold that morning. And it was like, Pastor Cody was trying to take the church somewhere and the worship team was going and everybody was just acting. just like. And I knew something needed to happen and nothing was happening. So I was dealing with anxiety and panic attacks and I was sitting right over there. And actually, my good friend Sean Pearson right here. Now he's not known to be a very excitable, flamboyant person. This man took off here doing like a Pentecostal bunny hop. But I know he did that because God told him to do that. Now, I'm not talking about doing something just to do it, just to show out because ain't nothing going to happen. You're just going to sweat. And when he took off, I was sitting over there dealing with panic attacks, anxiety for months after months. And God told me, you need to run, Jordan, because when you run, something's going to break off of you. And you know what I did? Nothing for a few minutes. I said, no, what am I going to look like? What are people going to think? I don't want to go run in front of the church right now. I had so much fear. I was dealing with so many anxiety attacks. I felt like, no, I'm not going to do that. And God said, Jordan, if you do that, response. When God tells you to respond, there's a breakthrough attached to that. Then I jumped down off of there and ran across here. And I took a lap, a Holy Ghost lap, because God told me to. And when I did, something broke off of my mind. Something broke off of my heart. And that fear left, and, and those panic attacks left, and that anxiety left. But I had to respond to God for that to happen. Now, I don't know. Just taking a lap in general is not going to do that. But if God tells you to do it, he's looking for a response. And sometimes we just need to respond to just shake it off. Sometimes we just need to shout. Sometimes we just need to dance. Sometimes we just need to rejoice. Sometimes we just need to get out of our rut. Sometimes God's just looking for a response so he can move in our life. But if we're going to stay over there stiff neck, hard-headed, God you ain't going to move me. You ain't go get much then. Because God's looking for people to respond. 
He's looking. Why? Because he wants to bring a breakthrough and blessing into your life. And I've had many, many, many other times that same way where God said, Jordan, do that. And I'm like, I don't know. But when you respond, there's always a blessing and a breakthrough attached to it. And that time, yeah, I felt embarrassed at first, but I knew God told me to do it. And anxiety broke off my mind. Fear broke off my mind. Guess what? If I would have kept staying there, I probably would have stayed stuck. But how many of you have similar situations where God's told you, you need to respond? You need to respond. Not just in a public sense, but even in a private sense. You need to respond. Why? Because he wants to move in your life. When we draw near to God and respond to him, he will draw near to us. Can you stand up this morning? Thank you for coming today. Thank you for coming today. Come on, let's just lift our hands for a second if you would. Come on, let's respond to him. Can we pray right now over this upcoming meeting this week as a church family? Come on, with arms stretched up. Come on, let's with our hearts in the right place. Let's really pray for a second. Father, we thank you for the Word and Spirit Conference coming up this week. We thank you for all the pastors and ministers and churches that are going to be represented. We pray for safety for them, for protection for them as they come to this region. Father, we thank you that you would speak to us, that you would move in our midst, that miracle signs and wonders would happen in these meetings, that healings would take place, that your presence and power would move in a special way on all of us as a church, all the churches represented here, all the different pastors represented, that you would anoint all the speakers to preach the word of God, preach a word in season to us that will bring refreshing and healing to us. Father, we thank you for it. We thank you for these meetings. We thank you for this time, this week, in this conference, that it will be a special time, that it will be a time that would mark us supernaturally. It would mark us and change us and we thank you for everyone in here that we will receive all that you have for us this coming week. Father, we come into this week of meetings with humility, with desire, with expectation, ready to respond to you, ready to respond to your voice, ready to be responsive in worship and be responsive in the preaching and be responsive in the ministry lines. And we are ready to respond to you, Father. Your word says if we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. If we respond to you, you will respond to us. And we thank you for it today. Thank you for these special meetings coming up. That they would be a time of change and transition for this church and for all of those that come from all over the country this week. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. And God, we pray right now as we close. We pray as a church family. We've been challenged today, but we take the challenge. And we say as a church family, we want to move with you. We want to move with you. And we want to receive all that you have for us as a church family. We will be the church you called us to be. We will be the region-changing church you called us to be. And we will flow with you. Everyone in here matters. Everyone here is important to the plan of God. And we choose to be all in with what you're doing. We choose to be people that 
moving with you. And we thank you for it today. We thank you for it today. Come on, can we thank him out of your own mouth for a second? Father, we thank you. We thank you. We get to be a part of your plan. We get to be a part of your purpose on the earth. Father, I'm asking you right now for your people that you would move on us like never before. That we would be sensitive to your spirit both in our private lives and publicly. And that, Father, that we would receive from you at a different level this season of our life. That there would be a newness on our devotional life. There would be a newness on our relationship with you. There would be a newness on the way we come to life groups. There would be a newness on the way we come to church and are a part of our church community. And I thank you, Father. We're moving with what you have for us today. And we thank you for it today. Thank you, Father. Help us all to cultivate the right heart and the right attitude that draws your presence and your spirit upon us. And we thank you for it today. Thank you for your anointing in this place. Let us never lose that as a church family. Your precious anointing, the power and presence of God. And we thank you for it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. We love you. We love you today. We thank you today. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your power. We thank you for moving. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. We love you. We love you. We love you. Thank you for a great week ahead for us. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.